Hello, this is Chicken Philosophy, Carl Jung, part 37. If you would like to start at the beginning of the black books, Carl Jung black books, I should say, part 37. If you'd like to start at the beginning, go ahead and click here. Uh, so as has become tradition, um, we'll pull a rune and... Uh, the tradition that I'm going to go ahead and say that I started last time is we're going to pull a little more than a rune, if you know what I'm saying. But first, let's uh, select some appropriate to Nordic runes music. tried to move a little quicker this time <clears throat> so as not to take up a full 17 minutes with the divination to set the milieu at the very beginning uh hey Pymander. oh hey bt how's it going do you happen to have a buddhist tarot deck i think they exist uh but uh it's not not really something that i'm personally interested in <laughs> okay well do you have any any kind of like something that could serve for the purpose of like divination 
like some cards, Buddhist cards or Tibetan cards or something. You mean like this? Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll do just fine, Pi Mander. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shuffle them up real nice. Real nice. How's everybody doing? Okay, let's see here. And we've got this. We'll just stick that right up there. All right. I think we're good to go. I think that's enough. Nah, let's do some Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, what we'll do is we'll find out what our monster uh, is going to be for today or for Carl Jung's entry. And then we'll find out what magical item we or he or whatever is going to have to battle that monster. Ooh, ooh, can I pull the monster card? Thank you. How fun. What kind of monster are we dealing with today? First, we'll have to decide between the small and the big. Let's go with the big for today. Okay. And shuffle them up. Whoa, these are hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Not the best shuffle, shuffleable cards in the world. And what do we got? Uh, we got um, Drow Priestess of Lolf. Mm -hmm. um, down. Okay. Drow Priestess of Lolf. Thank you, Pymander. Okay. So now one final thing. There's a whole bunch of cards. I'm just going to take this many. So you see what I'm doing. There's a massive amount of cards. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so the magical item with which which we're going to have to fight the priestess is uh, this here, which uh, I'll put right there. The potion of poison. All right. Hopefully it'll work. Those more familiar with Dungeons and Dragons than myself will be able to say for certain. Okay, I'll try to move again a little faster this time than uh, last time. So, first, the rune. I think it's, yes, um, Gateway is the name ascribed, the short form. So, gateway, giant, demon, a thorn, the Norse god, Thor. So, that's what we're dealing with front and center, right up there at the top. Okay. Fun. Fun stuff. And as far as the rider weight deck, the kind of standard metaphysical, esoteric, new age tarot deck... We've got the Ten of Cups. Well, that's nice. I mean, that's a nice card. And uh, specifically, it's uh, going to be right here. Um, oh, we're going up. Okay. So the Ten of Cups. A young couple and their dancing children with their home in the background 
hold up their arms in joy over the rainbow's promise. Divinatory meaning contentment. Lasting happiness because it is inspired from above. All right, that's the short version. It went on, but I think that's enough for our purposes today. And as far as the Golden Dawn uh, card that we pulled, now here it is. The Golden Dawn Ritual Tarot. We've got the Six of Cups, which is pleasure. And now remember, in Victorian times, pleasure didn't mean, you know, like whacking off. It meant... Um, well, okay, I'll just read what it says here. <clears throat> An angelic hand, as before, holds a group of stem lotuses or water lilies from which six flowers bend, one over each cup. Skipping a bit, Brother Maynard. Commencement of steady increase, gain, and pleasure. But commencement only. All right. So the pleasure is just beginning. It's just the commencement. I mean, who would complain? Oh, only the beginning of pleasure? I want the middle and the end of pleasure. <laughs> Especially the end. Oh, who would say that? I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Um, oh, boy. All right. Yes, yes, you didn't, you didn't say that. I, I'm using my dad's. I used to have this thing that was clipped onto here, but I'm using my dad's old Masonic thing and just kind of hanging this here. Oh, I'm having all kinds of <laughs> happening right now. Okay, what's next? The, uh, the Celtic Tarot. Do we have a manual that's not going to take me hours to find for the Celtic Tarot? Um, I'm going to go with no, so I'll just interpret it for you. The Nine of Wands. Well, it ain't good, uh, generally speaking, if you can apply good and evil to these things. What really is good and evil? You know what I'm saying? One man's good is another man's evil, you know? So I'm going to go ahead and consult the Rider weight manual. Just for fun. I mean, okay, so not nine of wands, it's fiery and related to Yasod, but I just recall it not being good, but I want the specifics of how it's not good. I usually dealt with the major arcana back in my cult days. Um, and this is minor arcana, and it's taking me a minute to find, so I'm just gonna go ahead and find the short the short and sweet version. Strength to overcome trouble. Okay. There we go. It's not bad. At least not according to page 198 of this thousand-year-old book. Oh, right. Okay. The wands come first. Sometimes they, they go from one to ten, but wands to pentacles. So are we going from bottom to top or top to bottom? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's that guy, the creepy guy, who's like, okay. His, oh, no, no, okay, he's, he's not the guy that stole all the swords. He's the guy who's ready for battle. His bandaged head indicates the man has already fought and is prepared to fight again. 
The staves behind him suggest the boundary of that which he protects. Divinatory meaning, the pause in a struggle. Right. I suppose that's better than the struggle in the struggle, right? The pause in the struggle. Now, you know, we're getting more of a picture. And uh, uh, Pymander, can you explain the, the card that you put up here? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. No problem. Um, it says here, the five attributes of sensory enjoyment. Uh, the, five the five desire qualities or offerings of the five senses appear as beautiful objects that cap captivate and symbolize the senses of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. As attributes of the sensory pleasures, they are mainly depicted as offerings to the peaceful deities and lineage gurus, traditionally taking these forms. One, a mirror for sight. Two, uh, an Indian vina or lute, or a pair of cymbals or gongs for sound. Three, burning incense or a conch full of perfume for smell. Four, a bunch of fruit for taste. And five, a silk cloth or ribbon for touch. All right, so now we know what that is. Good. I mean, right? Sounds good. From like a Western perspective, it's like fine. But from a Buddhist perspective, it's probably like the enemy, right? If there is such a thing. Okay, now um, what is this that Pymander pulled? The uh, Drow Priestess of Wolf. Now what can we find out quickly? Uh, not much. Medium humanoid, parentheses elf, and parentheses natural evil. Uh, fey ancestry, the drow has advantage on saving throws against being charmed. A magic can't put the drow to sleep. All right. Um, yes, sunlight sensitivity. While in sunlight, well, we, we've got poison, but we'll see. The drow has disadvantage on attack rolls as well as wisdom perception checks that rely on sight. Okay, so that's our enemy for today. Um, uh, Editor Edward, can you provide a, a, a better, um, more detailed... Yes, that's the drow priestess of Wolf. Sounds like something Jung would run into in a dream and declare his love to or something. I mean, you remember last time when... Uh, What's your name from from Herod's daughter was like coming on to him real strong. Now we've got the potion of poison. This concoction looks, smells, and tastes like a potion of healing or other beneficial potion. However, it is actually poison masked by illusion magic. An identify spell reveals its true nature. So there you have it all around us here. Um, the, uh, the, the milieu of today's recital from Carl Jung's diary back in 1913, I assume. Okay, Editor Edward, let's uh, bring it all down except for the rune. And now, finally, and without further ado, music. Thank you. I will get to the reading. Yes, December, what? December 22nd, 1913. What am I going to write? 
I don't know. Sorry, I'll keep reading. Everything is dark in front of me. No shape, no bright, and no dark. It is the gate to darkness. Who enters there must grope what is closest, must feel his way from stone to stone. That's not a stone, Mr. Young. Sorry. No clear thought comes toward him. One has to sample them all. Valuable and worthless must be embraced with the same kind of love. What kind of love? Because in this world of darkness, our values are suspended. A mountain is the smallest nothing. And a grain of sand contains kingdoms. A sand grain. And then he crossed out at least, so never mind that. Or it may not. Every value judgment must fall off, fall off uh, you, from you. I'll just keep using the magnifying glass. I, I had a dream. I had finally gotten some uh, reading glasses, but uh, it's, I think it's time to make that dream a reality. I'll look funny with glasses, but it's okay. Every value judgment must fall off from you. Equally, every other logical judgment. Even your taste must be shed before the gate. Get rid of all your knowledge, and above all, let sacrifice your arrogance, even when it seems to be based on merits. Who enters here enters as a poor or stupid one, because what we call knowledge here is ignorance. Seeing blindness, hearing deafness, feeling dullness. Enter through that gate entirely poor, pathetic, humble, ignorant. But even in your poverty, ignorance, and humility, do not be greedy and presumptuous, and expect neither bread nor stones, but look without desire and passion. Um... Turn all your anger against yourself, because only you can hinder yourself from looking. The, you know what? I'm just going to go on record here and say don't take that advice. Don't turn all your anger against yourself. Probably not. 99% chance that whoever you are that's watching this doesn't need to turn all your anger against yourself. In fact, stop doing that. Remember, this is the early part of Carl Jung's uh, journey when he was making all the mistakes so yeah, just this is just what he went through and what he wrote in his journal. This isn't actually Carl Jung giving you advice on what you should do. Just putting that out there. I felt like I should. Okay. <laughs> because only you can hinder yourself from looking. The mystery play is delicate as air and thin smoke, and you are brutal matter that itself is already disturbingly heavy. Who are you talking to? This, these diaries, you weren't planning to share these. Are you talking to yourself? Yet let all your hope, which is your greatest good and highest ability, proceed and serve you as a leader in the world of the dark. Because it is of similar substance as the creations of this world. 
let your hope swell toward it into the interminable. I am inclined to say don't take that advice either, but uh, it seems it feels a little better than the previous advice, at the very least. I think if you're going into like a dark and scary place, maybe be a little cautious. Don't just be like, oh, it's probably fine. I am already standing on this waste spot in the rocky depth that seems to me like a giant crater. In the distance I see, nestled in the hillside, the white house with columns. Everything is bleak, foggy, and nightlike. With no K, night, like dark, when the sun went I see from afar Salome. There it is, that's her name. In a white dress, walking along, that's that's our, our priestess of Lulf, right? Or maybe not, I don't know, we'll see. Along the length of the wall toward the left, touching the wall like a blind person, the black serpent behind her. The old man stands under the portal. He waves to me from the distance. Hesitantly, I draw closer. He calls Salome back. She approaches him and leans against him. She is like someone suffering. I cannot detect any sacrilege in her nature. Her hands are white and her face has a gentle expression. The serpent pleasure. So the serpent lies before them. I stand before them clumsily, uncertain, like a stupid boy. Here I am again, I would like to say. The words get stuck in my throat. Everything is terribly uncertain and ambiguous. The old man eyes me searchingly. What do you want here? He asks in a harsh tone. Forgive me, it is not my obtrusiveness or arrogance that leads me here. I am here, perchance, not knowing what I want. But I admit that a longing has brought me back. A longing that stayed behind in your house yesterday. I see how Salome raises her face, softly smiling. Something crossed out. To the old man. It looks like quiet happiness. Yet, yes, yes, it looks like that. But isn't she Salome? You see, Prophet, I am tired. My head is as heavy as lead. I am lost in my ignorance. I have toyed with myself enough. I played hypocritical games with myself and they all would have disgusted me were it not clever to perform what others expect from us in the world of men. It seems to me as if I were more real here, and yet I do not like being here. I even believe it resists me. Wordlessly, Elijah and Salome step inside the house. I follow them reluctantly. A feeling of guilt torments me. Is it 
bad conscience. I would like to turn back, but I have to. I feel it. The hall is bleak. There is the shining crystal. I need to walk up to it and look into its play of fire. I see in a fiery corona the mother of God. With the child, as if in an old painting, Peter stands to her left, bowing. Peter, alone with the keys, the Pope with a triple crown in a festive audience, a sitting Buddha appears in a circle of fire. Now a many-armed Kali, this bloody goddess, now Salome herself desperately wringing her hands, now that white shape of a girl with black hair, my own soul. And now that white shape of a man, which also appeared to me at the time, it resembles Michelangelo's sitting Moses. It is Elijah. Elijah and Salome stand before me, real, as if softly smiling. These visions are full of torment. And the meaning of these images is dark to me. Elijah, please shed some light. Elijah waves silently and leads the way toward the left. Salome enters a coronade to the right. I follow Elijah into an even darker room. There seems to be bookshelves on the wall. A burning red lamp hangs from the ceiling. I sit down exhausted in an armchair. Elijah stands before me, leaning on a marble lion. Behind him are bleak, dark, and red little window panes. He speaks. Are you anxious? Why are you afraid? Your ignorance is to blame for your bad conscience. Not knowing works like guilt, but you believe that it is the, the urge toward forbidden that causes your feeling of guilt. You are especially about yourself. What? You err, like error. You err, especially about yourself. Why do you think you are here? I don't know. I sank into the place when unknowingly I tried resisting the not knowing. So here I am, astounded and confused like an ignorant fool. I experience strange things in your house. Things that frighten me and whose meaning I don't know. Now that seems like a good place to pause just for a moment and get my shit together and also um, turn on the air conditioner because as I've mentioned before, the camera is close enough but if I start sweating profusely, you're gonna see it. And so there's gonna be a little bit of noise pollution, and also I'm gonna take a sip of coffee. Ah, seems like a potion of healing. Wait a minute. Okay, 
<clears throat> yes. So listen. What? Yes. Uh, so listen. This is in quotes. If it were not your law to be here, how would you be here? End quote. I'm afflicted by fatal weakness, my father. Quote. You are evasive. You cannot extradite yourself from your law. End quote. What do you mean? How can I extricate? Extricate. Extricate. Extricate myself from what is unknown to me, which I cannot reach with either feeling or presentiment. Quote, you are lying. Do you not know that you yourself recognized what it means if Salome loves you? End quote. All right, so according to this, it means he's John the Baptist. Spoilers. No. Let's see. I uh, used to get messages from people saying, I had a dream that Solomon told me I was his bride. What does it mean? And I'm like, I don't do dream interpretation. Sorry. You are right. A doubtful and uncertain thought arose in me for a moment, but I have forgotten it again. By the way, if you're watching, it means you're the chosen one. Uh, quote, you have not forgotten it. It burns deep inside you, but you are afraid of megalomania? Are you that cowardly? Are you so cowardly as to be afraid of megalomania? Oh, I've been there. I have to admit. 24 years ago, I've been there. Or can you not differentiate this thought from your own self, from your human nature, enough so that you wished to claim it for yourself? End quote. The thought went too far for me, and I shun far-fetched ideas. They are dangerous, since I am also a man, and you know how much men are accustomed to seeing thoughts as their very own as their innermost so that they eventually confuse them with themselves. Quote, will you, I ask you, therefore confuse yourself with a tree or an animal because you look at them and because they exist with you in one and the same world? Must you be your thoughts because you are in the world of your thoughts? I think it would be obvious that your thoughts are just as much outside your mind, mind is crossed out, self, as trees and animals are outside your body. End quote. You are certainly right from your point of view, but my thought world was for me more word than fact. I thought my thought world this is I. Quote, That way you became the victim of your megalomania without seeing it. Do you say to your human world, to each eye and to every being outside of you, this is my eye or my body? End quote. I do. <laughs> so, um, I stepped into your house, my father feeling like a schoolboy about to be scolded. 
but you taught me a salutary wisdom. I can also consider a thought as being outside myself. That helps me to return to that terrible conclusion that my tongue is reluctant to express. I thought that Salome loves me because I resemble John. Called it. Or you. This thought seemed all too bold. Express it with your tongue. Sorry. And believable to me. Pleasure. Sorry. That's why I rejected it. And thought that she loves me because I am really quite opposite of you. That she loves her badness in my badness sorry this thought was devastating the old one is silent black heaviness uh, lies on me suddenly Salome steps into the room lays her arm around my shoulder she presumably takes me for her father in whose chair I seem to sit I dare neither move nor speak she speaks I know that you are not my father. You are his son, and I am your sister. Okay, Morty. Um, you, Salome, my sister, was this the terrible attraction that emanated from you? That unnameable horror of you? Of your touch? Who was our mother? I mean, dude, it's a dream. I don't take it literally. Oh, she's responding. Mary. Which one? It is a hellish dream, Salome. Elijah, Mary, our mother. What madness lurks in your words? The mother of our Savior? Oh, that Mary. Our mother, when I crossed your threshold today, I foresaw calamity. Alas, it has come. Doubt tears my heart apart. Are you out of your senses? Senses? Ah, uh, ah, uh, remember? Senses? Pymander's card. Uh, Salome, you, Elijah, protector of the divine law, speak. Is this a devilish spell cast by the rejected? How can she say such a thing? Or are both of you out of your senses? Or am I out of my senses? You are symbols, and Mary is a symbol. I am simply too confused to see through you now. The old man speaks. Question mark? Okay. Quote, you may call us symbols for the same reason that you can also call your real fellow men symbols, if you wish to. But we exist, and exist is underlined, and are just as real as your fellow men. You invalidate nothing and solve nothing by calling us symbols. End quote. You plunge me into a terrible confusion. Do you wish to be realities? The old man speaks, quote, We are certainly what you call realities. Here we are, and you have to accept us. The choice is yours. End quote. I am sitting in silence. Salome has removed herself. Uh, uncertainly, uh, yes, and gloomily, I look around. 
In the background of the room, a high golden red flame burns on a round marble altar. The serpent has encircled the flame. Its eyes glitter with golden reflections. Swaying, I turn to the exit. Before me, a powerful lion walks slowly through the hall. I watch it without horror. Outside, a mighty starry sky arches over the world, over the wild rocky landscape. Wow, the mighty starry sky over the landscape reminds me a little bit of the Ten of Cups. Cool night air, I hear the distant waters roaring. Everything is so real and cold. I slowly walk into the rocky desert, into this valley of riddles. Where did I come from? Which way was, which was the way into this underworld? Is it really the or an underworld? Oh, is it really the or an underworld? Right. It seems as if compulsory realities exist here. What forced me to come here if not those other realities with other in quotes? Apparently, they are somehow superior to me as I did not know anything about them. Whereas they knew about me and forced me, could force me, to come to them on a way unknown to me that I must have flown through unconsciously. And immediately I am back again, writing in my book. Hours have passed, and I am tired from this long journey. What did I bring with me? I think I must appear very stupid to these people. Well, let's uh, let's bring our cards back for a moment here. Does it help clarify? Uh, no. Okay, get rid of the cards. All right. That was fun. A bit. A bit. Um, so Salome is his sister. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I got nothing. But I had fun. I hope you had fun too. Journeying through the, uh, the unconscious mind, I guess, of, uh, of Carl Jung in his youth before he got his bearings and started teaching others to get theirs. Okay. Oh, I think last time, yeah. Uh, last time it was Gwydion, and he said that later, after he was going to record that, he was going to go to Pot Potikar on Divar Island, where people dress up as like horrible monster creatures and frighten children and stuff to celebrate Mardi Gras or something. Um, so here's some video of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was fun. Um, yeah, All right. that's about it for me, and uh, yeah. 
if you're still here. Thank you for watching it all the way through. And uh, do feel free to like and subscribe to Chicken Philosophy. And I look forward to seeing you next time, reading whatever comes up in the rotation for me to read next. And whoever comes up next, Edward, I think, looks forward to reading whatever comes up next. And we'll, we'll see you then. And uh, until then, I bid you a sincere, heartfelt, and pleasurable